Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory, the victory, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And welcome back to the Living Victory Podcast. My name is Christian Conway, joined today by my main man, Jonathan Krauss. Uh, it's been a while since we've had an episode like this, but it's just me and Jonathan, so there's no adults in the room. Uh, Max is not here to keep us in line, so <laughs> things might get off the rails today. Oh my gosh. When is the last time that we had just you and me? Max is always so responsible and so consistent. <laughs> yeah, it's we've usually always, me. Yeah, we've definitely been doing this podcast for almost three years now, and I think Max Coming is Coming up on three years missed. in March. Yeah. I don't know if Max has missed four episodes yet. Like, <laughs> Legitimately, he might miss one a year. Yeah, he's like Larry Fitzgerald, has more tackles than missed passes or (laughs) drop passes. Yeah. There's a reason he's my uh, favorite football player, folks, or was. We love you, Max. Uh, We hope that things are okay with you. Uh, I don't even know what he's doing right now. He's probably doing something extremely fun, hopefully. Probably. Probably is. So I hope he's having a great time. I know when I'm not on the podcast, I'm usually having a great – I'm just kidding. That was a joke. I'm not going to say that. (laughs) Jonathan's favorite thing to do is not be on the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> no but i get to say well so mac isn't here so i get to say this although we should say it to his face because he's super but max is awesome i yes. respect the guy so much that he's going he's almost done with his um seminary and he's gonna be graduating and he's got a lot going on in his life right now guys in terms of deciding where he's gonna go and everything like that so if you could keep him in your prayers just that the lord would give him clarity on where god wants him to take that next step in faith and uh, it might be a Christian church. It might not be. We'll see. I know Christian's secretly hoping that it comes to his church, but we'll see what the <laughs> Lord has for him. Um, and I know whatever it is, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. So, but definitely prayer yeah, for, for Max sure. to have peace in the time of not knowing, in the time of uncertainty. So yeah. So we're gonna spend uh, 35 minutes on this podcast <clears throat> praying for Max. So I hope that yep. you guys are ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. No, but, uh, yeah, we love that brother and whatever church he goes to, wherever he ends up going after he graduates is going to be extremely blessed. So I'm looking forward to seeing how God uses him to, to affect the world for the gospel and help the gospel go forth even, even more. Absolutely. How was your week, Christian? My week was good. I, uh, I read a book by C.S. Lewis this week called The Four Loves. And I know, I think that's something you and I've talked about before, but just the way that C.S. Lewis, I love the way he writes Uh, He's very philosophical in his writing and the way that he described love, just describing it with different analogies and different mental mental images for the different kinds of love that we can show the affection versus brotherly love versus, you know, uh, erotic, like sexual love versus the the charity kind of love that we receive from God. It's it's cool to see the different breakdowns. Uh, And then I also (laughs) Audible has a free three month subscription like trial deal going on right now. So I got an Audible account for the next three months and I chose Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan, which was written in like the 1600s or the 1700s. So it's hilarious to listen to that English be like read to me because <laughs> it it's definitely really not the way we talk. It. Yeah, it's definitely not the way we talk anymore. It's like, where is the going unto thither? <laughs> and yeah. you're just like, okay, <laughs> but it's, it's been good so far. It's a cool story. Yeah, no, it is. A, it's a good book. I gosh i'm having trouble remembering it's been so long i read it for school like oh, okay a decade ago that's i'm getting old enough now i can actually say yeah, a decade ago i'm old i turned 22 
That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Basically Taylor Swift. Yeah. Definitely we made that joke already, but we're going to roll <laughs> with it. And I couldn't remember. So I feel like I've brought up my birthday like four times on the podcast now. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, But I did learn, listening to this book, I did learn my new favorite word. My new favorite word is thither. I don't really know what it means because it's like hither and thither are like here and there. But he also uses the words here and there in the book. So I don't know how hither and thither are different than here and there. But thither is just so much fun to say. So, <laughs> so if I wanted to say come here, I would say come hither. And so if I, I want to say, let's go there, let's go thither. I think so. But I think that it's unique. So what I can pick up so far is that hither and thither are like the, like a destination. Like I'm going there. You could say I'm going thither. But if you said like, um, the book is over there, you wouldn't say the book is over thither. So I think it has to be a destination. Like come hither or come thither or go thither, I think would be okay. <laughs> But I don't think you could say, like, the book is over thither. <laughs> I'm so confused now. Yeah. Anyway, if there's any uh, linguistic experts out there, uh, you know, experts in 15th, 16th century English, please let us know. Mm -hmm. And also, I'm sorry for whatever you do in life because you're an <laughs> English expert on the 15th, 1600s. <laughs> uh, there's got to be, like, a whole three people in the world that are experts in the, I don't know, you never know. So okay, wait, I'm looking it up. Thither versus there. Oh, the word of the day on November 15th, 2019 was thither. So thither means to or toward that place. So it's an adverb, which means you use it to describe a verb. So like you're running thither. You're running to okay. there. So, you know, we're going to progress this podcast, the thither, you know, to the end goal. Seriously. It's probably good to, uh, to know what my favorite word means. Thither. Thither. I don't. I can't say thither without smiling. It's just. It sounds like slither, but you're just worse. Like, imagine being angry and coming home and being like, "I need you to go thither." Actually, there there is a running joke in my family that there's something in the water because for whatever reason, and it only happens in my house. Like when I go outside the house, I speak English fine, but whenever we're in my house, my family just just murders words sometimes just absolutely <laughs> violates words and i mean that like the word just comes out totally wrong or it's a combination of like three words or we can't pronounce anything it's really bad what's so, an example uh well one that happened a while ago was was diplomatical <laughs> that's not a word it's it's, it's a conglomerate of multiple words. You could just yeah. say something's diplomatic, but we were like, it yeah. sounds cool to say something's diplomatical. So <laughs> anyway, there's one for you. That's just one example of many, many things where it just, yeah. So I, the other day I said, just for the funny of it, I don't know where just that came from. Just for the funny of it. Yeah. Yeah. One time we were playing like basketball or something. And my mom missed a shot, but it was like one of those that rolled around the inside of the hoop and then rolled out. And <laughs> she she meant to say, I got robbed because that's what you say when, you know, something's likely to happen, but it ends up not happening. She goes, somebody stole my money. <laughs> we were like, what did you just say? What? <laughs> she goes, somebody stole my money. <laughs> we're like, you mean you got robbed? And she's like, oh, yeah, I got robbed. <laughs> But now we'll just do that. That's actually a way better way of saying it, though. No, we'll do something. We're like, yeah, man, somebody, somebody stole, stole my, my money. 
uh, words are just so manipulative manipulated yeah there you go now it's happening already i'm in my house guys manipulatable there you go yeah that's what's up so i had a good week um i got back from idaho on tuesday from the land of potatoes and fries your life did i what did you have the best fries of your life no in fact they were actually rather average they're just fries. Well, did you get it like a? Did you go to like a fast food no, restaurant? No, I didn't. My my friend did, but I didn't have time to because we we went snowboarding. So instead, oh. yeah. But it was good. Had a great time there, hanging out with good friends, good fellowship. Um, they were all believers there that we were hanging out with. So we had some really awesome conversations along those lines as well. And some of them actually tie into, slight slightly into you know what we're going to be talking about today. And then, uh, getting back Wednesday was a little bit of a grind. I'm not gonna lie with you. Going, getting back into work and you gotta catch the up last, on everything you missed yeah because i was working while i was there so friday and monday and tuesday that i was there i was working and i don't know what it was man but stuff just hit the fan when i was there like the moment i got to idaho thursday night friday morning stuff just hit the fan it was like it's like they knew that i was in idaho so hmm. anyway they so work was rough going throughout the weekend and then coming into wednesday things started getting resolved so i was feeling better about that but definitely it's hard to be tired coming back from a trip and then getting back yeah. into work. So <laughs> like was, was dealing with that. Yeah. But yeah. yesterday, and this was the highlight of my week, kind of other than Idaho, cause that was awesome. I got to play volleyball yesterday. And it's the first time in six weeks that I played volleyball off wow. injury. So had an awesome time played with, brought a bunch of people from my church. Um, and we just had a team together and it was, it was a lot of good fun. So that was, I praise the Lord for that. Cause I do love to play and I hate being injured. So <laughs> Yeah, I didn't realize it was possible for you to go six weeks without playing volleyball. Yeah, I didn't either. But the Lord <laughs> knew because he made it possible. So Did you have like withdrawals or something? Uh, I actually – it's amazing how your brain – like when you're not – how do I say this? When you're not saturated with a certain, certain activity in life, mm-hmm. how your thinking kind of shifts. And so what I mean by that is like when I was playing volleyball a couple nights a week – like throughout the day, I would often have thoughts about volleyball, like, oh, if this play <laughs> happened, I would do this, or if that happened, yeah. or this position, or this team, whatever. Um, and I would like, I would on the regular watch more like YouTube videos about volleyball and stuff like that. And then so probably about three or four weeks into my injury, like that definitely shifted a lot. Like I wasn't thinking about volleyball nearly as much. I wasn't watching as many YouTube videos or whatever. It's kind of interesting how my my brain just kind of like, oh, we're not doing this anymore. We're going to focus on on other things. So very interesting. But I imagine my brain's going to hop right back into it. It's like riding a bike, right? <laughs> that can be hard to convince yourself to start paying yeah. attention to volleyball. I mean, I won't be able to play. I have a lot going on right now. So I won't be able to play as much as I could last when I was playing before. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping to play probably once a week. That's that's the play. That's the play. Have you seen the, the Queen's Gambit, the tv show about chess no but we've talked about this so she there's one scene in the movie when she's like getting into chess when she lays down and she's going to sleep but the room's dark and everything she opens her eyes and she like imagines a chess game on the on the ceiling and she like basically plays chess with herself on the ceiling while she's laying in bed yes that's what i imagine that's what i imagine you doing sometimes when you're laying in bed you just like open your eyes or even close your eyes and just imagine a volleyball game and start (laughs) you would not be super wrong 100 (laughs) percent. i've literally thought about like 
Anyway, I don't want to go super into that because it'll get we'll go <laughs> yeah. down to rabbit trail super fast. Yeah, we're already 11, 11 minutes, minutes in. We haven't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, facts. So, all right. So, what are we going to be talking about today, guys? I'm sure you know from the title, probably whatever the title is going to be, because we figure that afterward. Um, I've just been. Uh, we decided today that we kind of wanted to be a little less topical and be a little bit more. This is a scripture. This is what God says, and then what is He trying to say through it? Um, and something that I've been learning about recently through. Uh, some different things like the perspectives class that I mentioned last podcast that I'm taking. And then also I've been listening to some um, psychology type series from Jordan Peterson, and he's actually walking through uh, some stories in Genesis, which is really interesting because he did that um, when he was a professed atheist. So he's really coming at it from a, a very psychological standpoint, but it's weird because, and he'll throw in these comments every now and then where he's like, it'll be like, and God did this you know, if God's real, but it's so interesting from his point of view, because a lot of his lectures that he's doing on it, he like comes at it from this perspective that this is real. It's so interesting. And, and, and I've, I find it to be very fascinating. And then, especially from a Christian's perspective, I get to see how the very interesting and scientific psychology of what he's talking about measures into the very scriptural grounded basis that that we have as Christians, so I just find it super super fascinating. So I kind of wanted to, to to go into that a little bit today. So we're gonna be going through um, a little bit of Genesis two, and then also Genesis three, and we're gonna be seeing what we can glean from from these scriptures. Um, and so yeah, so let's 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 jump into it. I'm gonna start in in Genesis two, and I'm just gonna read. Um, <clears throat> for a little bit and then and then we'll break some stuff down so i'm actually going to start in verse five so here we go when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the lord god had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground okay that's a key point right there there was no man to work the ground and a mist was coming going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground when the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life, which was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there are two trees. There's a tree of life and there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there and it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Fishin. It is one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bedellum and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is Tigris, or Tigris, depending on how you want to pronounce it, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You are surely, you may surely eat of any tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gives, the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not a found a helper fit for him. 
So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed it up in place of its flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Okay, so there's a couple things I want to, to highlight out of this. So first of all, I want to speak to my men out there. And ladies, don't worry, in a second, we will get to you. But men, I want to speak to you guys. So our culture in the West is a huge culture of let me work so that I don't have to work later. And, they, and you see that as in let me get through work for the day so I don't have to work in the evening. Let me get through work during the week so I can get to the weekend. Let me get through work for my 30 years until I retire so I don't have to work when I retire. As we can see here in the beginning of Genesis, God created work to be perfect. God put man in the garden. He put Adam in the garden specifically for the purpose of, we see in verse um, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Now, it's interesting that he says to work it and to keep it. Now, there's a couple different translations there with the Hebrew, but basically saying is to work it and to be the protector of it, to be the person that is over it, the overseer of the garden. And then later on, when he creates Eve, Adam is also supposed to be the protector and the carer of Eve as well, being his wife. So then I want to speak to you guys for a second, and I'm speaking to myself just as much with this. The work in your life is not there. Well, it, okay, so it is a burden because we're it's work, but work is something that's from the Lord, and we are called to do that with all of our heart in is it is it romans where god says do everything it's multiple he says it multiple yeah colossians and first corinthians for colossians and first corinthians okay um that in everything that you do you should do it with all your heart right so we are called to work just as much as we're called to play just as much as we're called to share the gospel and share christ with people and so i want to speak specifically into work because this is something that i've been struggling with is I really just am trying to get through my day when it comes to work. And then I can go have fun later. Go, I'll deal with God later. All of that. God is in your work. And you want your work to glorify God. And so that's the first thing that I want to glean from this first, um, this first passage in Genesis that I just read. And Christian, I don't know if you want to speak into that a little more or add into that before we move on to, to Genesis 3. Um, and then I might grab a couple of things before we go into Genesis three. So do you have any comments or on that one? Yeah, for sure. This is something that hit me about a year ago. Something similar to what you're talking about is that God, so work is not a result of the fall. Work existed before sin, you know, came into the world before Adam and Eve were affected by sin. They still had jobs. God had given them the responsibility to work the garden and to keep it. He'd given them the responsibility to uh, reproduce and to fill the earth. And so that's all part of God's perfect design that he had in the beginning. When God stopped and looked and said, this is very good, that included the work that he had given Adam and Eve. And a lot of people, a lot of trusted Bible teachers, they look forward and they, they see in scripture that we are going to have roles continuously in heaven, that heaven's not going to be the, the absence of all work. Heaven is going to be a place where God's original creation is restored. 
and we're able to live with him and to walk with him and to, to have that existence with him as he intended it that's free from sin, that doesn't have a stain of sin, doesn't have any problems or pain. So we look at what happened at the fall. What happened at the fall is that God took the work that Adam and Eve were, were going to have, the work of keeping the garden and the work of raising children, and he made it more difficult. He cursed their work by making the work that the man had more difficult because he had to face thorns and he had to sweat. He had to work by the sweat of his brow and the blood of his hands. And the woman had pain in childbearing. So these jobs that we have, like Jonathan said, they are a burden. They do become a burden because there's sinful effects in all of our jobs. The, the tired and the annoying, the, when we get annoyed, those are effects of the fall. But the work itself is not an effect of the fall. And something that each one of us, I don't, I don't know who you are or what you do, but regardless of who you are or what you do, there is something in your job that you can find that will, that will show you how you can serve God in that. And sometimes it's something as small as doing it as if you're serving the Lord and not serving men. There's a book I just read uh, called The Practice of the Presence of God, written by Brother Lawrence, who was a monk. Uh, I don't know what century. It was hundreds of years ago. He was a monk. And he wrote this book. And he was a, a kitchen worker. I think he was a janitor in the kitchen of the monastery for decades. And he talked about how every day he woke up and he saw every opportunity to clean as an opportunity to serve the Lord. Now, you know, I read that and I think that's ridiculous. How could he sweep to the glory of God? How could he clean dishes to the glory of God? But he said that he was serving as Christ served and that he saw that everything he did, he had an opportunity to show people the image of God inside of him because working and the ability to, to do things with our hands, that's part of the image of God that he's given us to make plans and to fulfill those plans. So that's just something, like you said, that hit me uh, about a year ago that I wanted to bring up is that work is not a, an effect of sin. Work is not something that we should, we should dread. And how sad is it to live a life where you work eight hours a day and for that eight hours, you're just wishing for it to be over. Like that's one third of your adult life that you're wishing away because you don't enjoy it. Well, okay, yeah, work's not always enjoyable, but find something in your job that you can enjoy. Find something, some redeemable quality that you're able to enjoy. And if you can't find that, then pray. Ask God, say, God, you told me in Colossians to work in everything as if I'm working for you. Lord, to, to work in whether I eat or drink or whatever I do to do it all for your glory. Lord, would you show me how I can do that in this job? Because God tells us that if we pray in accordance with his will, he's going to hear us and he's going to answer that prayer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's move on to jumping into Genesis 3 a little bit. And this is where things are going to get. So Christian got ahead of us a little bit when he <laughs> talked about the fall. And that's awesome. So I can't, I'm looking forward to getting into it because I, I find this to be so interesting. Um, so the first thing I want to do before we get into Genesis 3, though, is grab that verse 25 of chapter 2 and say, and read that for you all. And it's, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So this is gonna this is gonna come in later, um, <clears throat> after the fall. So let's get into that real quick. So Genesis three. Now the serpent. Now also notice in Hebrew, everybody associates the serpent in the garden with Satan. We don't technically know that for sure. Um, we have the Revelation passage that gives us insight into that. But the Hebrew here actually does uh, literally say serpent. So um, just kind of interesting that that's there. But now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, 
we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. All right, there's a couple of things that we want to jump into here, because there's a lot in here. First of all, who did God give the directive to when he said, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? He gave it to Adam. Now, we don't totally know this, but based off the lineage of the way the scripture reads, it sounds like he created Adam and then gave Adam the directive before he created Eve. Now, we don't know if God created Eve and then said, oh, by the way, Eve, you're not supposed to eat from this tree. And we obviously assume that that Adam told Eve. But if we just read the scripture, it makes it sound like God created Adam, gave him the directive not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Also, it's interesting that he didn't say, do not eat of the tree of life. Kind of interesting there too. But so we, based off the way the scripture reads, it sounds like God created Eve. And then Adam is like, hey, Eve, this is what's going on. By the way, you're not supposed to eat of this tree. So he's getting secondhand information. So it's already kind of wild and very intelligent, I would say. It's horribly intelligent of the serpent to go after Eve because Eve has secondhand information. She didn't experience, as far as we know, the what happened with Adam and God when God specifically told Adam not to eat of this tree. So the serpent is already playing on something that could be a weakness in terms of secondhand information because he's very crafty. And it says that literally in the first verse. Now, Second thing we see here is the reason I still I also believe that this is second information from Eve is because she says, lest you also touch it and die, which is not what God said. So what we want to and when we read scripture, we always want to think about, all right, how can this apply to our lives? And I'm going to try to make that a theme throughout all of this. And that is what Satan often tries to do or the demons in your life or whatever the evil influences are is tries to get you to misunderstand, misquote, or uh, question God's promises, God's commands, God's word. We see that when Jesus is tempted by the devil in, um, in all the gospels because Satan tries to take scripture, take truth, and twist it for his own devices. And that happens in our own lives, right? How often do we get these simple little mindset changes about God's word that at face value don't sound that bad, right? But we really are twisting the truth of, of his word. And so we got to be really careful about that. And we got to make sure that we know God's word so that we don't misquote him or misunderstand what he's trying to say. Now, moving on um, in verse four, but the servant said to the woman, you shall not surely die for God knows that when you eat of the eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was there with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together to make themselves loincloths. All right. So there's a ton here. So I'm going to break down just a little bit of it. First of all, it says that Adam was there with her. So I'm speaking to the men again. Men, situations like this where Satan is involved, where twisting of God's scripture is involved. If you notice when Eve said, oh, if you also touch it, you will die, which is not what God said. Adam was there and he didn't correct her. 
right? And then we also see that Adam was not protecting and stepping in for Eve in this case. So men, when it comes to women, we are called to be protectors. We are called to be caregivers. We have to step in when situations like this arise. And I'm like a situation specifically like this isn't going to arise because this is kind of, obviously, this is different than what we're going to experience. <laughs> but still, <clears throat> there are going to be times where we need to step up as men and we need to live according, according to what God has called men to do in terms of protecting and and being a leader in our households, in our friend groups, in whatever it involves, that we need to make sure that we're being leaders of God. And from that, what I find so, and this is something that that I actually listened to, and this is something that Jordan Peterson talked to in the in the psychology of what's going on here. And I thought this was so incredibly fascinating. So I'm so I'm excited to share this with you guys. Scripture brought up multiple times that that the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. For you to be naked and not ashamed, you need to feel safe where you are, right? And you need to be, you need to feel completely open and honest. And that's the way, that's where they were with God. They were at a completely open and honest, trusting relationship where they felt safe. Now, the moment that they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their eyes were opened, they realized they were naked and they had to so close out of fig leaves. Now, why does scripture highlight that? And this was this is so crazy. The moment that you realize you're naked is when you realize that you're vulnerable. I'm gonna say that again. The realize realization that you're naked brings about the realization that you're vulnerable. Now, what does that mean? Adam and Eve, after they sinned against God and they disobeyed his direct command we're now separated from that trust and that completely open and honest relationship and now they're vulnerable to outside threats and now they feel like they need to put on clothes because they need to be hidden they need to hide their insecurities they need to hide their whatever they're afraid about and this is what's so crazy about eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is when you have knowledge of good and evil you know where you're vulnerable which means you also know where other people are vulnerable so the, the an example was given about this from uh, from Jordan Peterson. I thought this was was a pretty good way to somewhat of a good way to describe it. So there somewhere there was a, a a class of monkeys that were getting attacked by snakes. Okay, so like that was their main predator was snakes. Yeah, I know. Naturally, well, this is going somewhere. I promise. So um, this this tribe or whatever of monkeys were their main predator was snakes. So every time that they encountered a snake they would be like oh no they would tell their buddies and they would try to leave the area or not go to that area anymore because there's snakes there well what's what's interesting in the animal kingdom is they're not going to do anything about the origin or the source of the snakes but we as we as humans and i i believe this is because we we have a higher level of consciousness that god gave us but also because of the fact that we're fallen and now we do have knowledge of good and evil is our thought process goes like, okay, I got attacked by a snake. So then you learn from that. You say, I'm not going to go there anymore because there's snakes there. Well, you go somewhere else and you get attacked by a snake. Okay. I don't want to go there anymore. Then you start realizing, okay, what if we just get rid of the snakes in general? Where do the snakes come from? So then you go and learn. You learn that there's a den of snakes where they all come from. And then you go and destroy the den of snakes. And so now you no longer have predators, right? Let's apply that to today's standards. Okay, 
you know how you're vulnerable. You know your insecurities. And you also know that sometimes, or, or what you do sometimes to protect your insecurities is attack the insecurities and the vulnerabilities of other people. And if you think about this and you reflect on this, there are definitely times in your life, because I've, and I know this because it's, I've done it, where you get in a situation where you're insecure and then suddenly you lie to make it look like you're not insecure. You lie to protect yourself or you'll do other things. You'll disobey your parents, whatever it is, you'll disobey God because you have an insecurity or are vulnerable in your life and you're afraid that other people might see it, judge it, whatever, God might judge it. And then you go and you try to hide it, which is what Adam and Eve did with the, when they tried to so close from themselves. And this is just so interesting, the, the psychology behind what's going on here. And, and I, I always, like I said earlier, you want to keep applying this to our own lives. And I think what, what we can glean from this is we got to make sure that with God, that we're completely open and honest with him, that we're not hiding any insecurities, any vulnerabilities, any weaknesses. Cause Yes, God is going to judge us because he rightfully is the judge, but he also has the power to heal you, to work on your weaknesses, to help you grow. And so for hiding any of that from him, we are deterring his ability to help us grow. So we got to have that open, trusting relationship with the Lord and not hide any from him. And then also spend time and reflection on yourself. Where are you struggling? Where are your insecurities? Because that might give you information on how you are hurting other people in your relationships based off what you struggle with. So Christian, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. I've been talking for a little while. Sorry about that. I, just, I'm, I think this is so interesting and I love talking about it. Yeah. One of the things that, that you reminded me of when you said that is something that I found in um, Ephesians when it talks about the armor of God. Because we, when we picture armor and using armor to defend yourself... What we imagine is that, you know, a knight in shining armor who has a, a sword and he uses that sword to go, you know, take care of whatever's threatening him, whether it's a dragon or a, an, an enemy or something. And so I, my entire life growing up, it had been, you know, beat into my brain that you use armor to attack. So when I imagined the armor of God, I was always thinking, OK, well, God gives us this armor so that we can attack the enemy, so that we can attack the demons or attack those who are at spiritual warfare against us. And I was going back and reading it and studying it for a camp that we have coming up this summer that is, is going to be themed around the armor of God. And what I found is that every command we receive in that passage is to stand firm. We don't receive a command to go attack, to even use the sword of the spirit to attack. It's stand firm, stand firm, stand therefore. And the only command that has anything to do with attacking is trust that the Lord your God will attack on your behalf. And so that's, it's so against our, it's against our nature because that's what you're talking about with the, the idea that we should go find the den of snakes and take out our adversary, you know, figure out what the source is and take them out. We want to be the one who fixed the problem. But the thing with scripture and the thing with our sin problem that we realize is that we don't have the ability to take out the problem. We, we do know where the source is. The source is our heart, but we don't have the, the ability to go into our heart and take out all sinful desires. And the more we try to do that, the more we try to put ourselves in God's place, the more we realize how, how short we fall. And it was just, it struck me when I was hearing that. I was like, you mean God gives us this armor so that we can, you know, put out the flaming darts of the enemy, but not do anything about it. 
the armor is there so we can stand firm against the attacks of the evil one and allow God to do the fighting on our behalf. That's so against human nature. Our, our nature is to go fix the problem. But Christianity is realizing that I can't fix the problem. That there's this problem in my life that the only person who can fix is God. And Christianity is where we come in. We, in faith, submit to God and allow him to fix that problem for us. It's hard. It really is. But we have a God who loves us. A God who's going to fight that battle for us. A God who calls us to submit to him in faith and to allow him to do the fighting. Now, that doesn't mean that we sit back on our laurels and don't do anything. That We sit on the couch and say, all right, God, let me know when the process is over. No, we're told in Philippians 2.12 to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And so it's our job to work out our salvation, to, to grow closer to God, to, to become more like Christ as best we can. But then we get to the second half of that verse, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so we are called to work valiantly, to, to do everything we can to obey the commands that God gives us because he is the one who ultimately does the work. That's a, that's a paradox. We don't understand why that is or how that works. All we know is that's the command we received from God, and that's what we ought to do. So it's just that's what I was thinking about when you were talking about the, the den of snakes and how we're, we, our nature is to go fight that battle and to go figure out where the source is and to go destroy that. But we, we've read Revelation. You know, we know how the battle ends. The battle ends with Christ coming in on a, on a horse, a white horse with a sword, coming to conquer and coming to take over, take back his creation, and to cast Satan and his demons into the lake of fire once and for all. So may this be an encouragement to you, rather than, a, rather than something that, that discourages you. May this be an encouragement, something that reminds you that you have a God. You are on the side of a God who is going to fight this battle for you and is going to win this battle for you. And that takes us perfectly into the rest of Genesis 3, which we don't have to read all of it today. Um, <clears throat> in fact, I'd encourage everyone that's listening to this podcast to go read it on your own, sure. uh, to go really see and look into God's word in this case. But we see this in verse 15 is where we see the prophecy of Jesus. And God says, and this is after God has found out that, or not that he didn't know, but that Adam and Eve had sinned. He had the interaction with them. Um, he's going to end up kicking them out of the garden. But then he says to Eve, uh, I will put enmity between, oh, sorry, he doesn't say this to Eve. He said this to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And this is prophecy of the coming Jesus, which is going to be the offspring of, of Eve. And this is how God redeems us ultimately from this this fall that we had this entry into sin that we had and this break of the relationship between us and God that we had. So um, we don't want to take this this too much longer. Um, we could talk about, I, or I know Christian and I would love to talk about this for many, 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 many more minutes <laughs> and into the hours. Um, so, but maybe we'll do a part two on this. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to Max, see, <laughs> see how he's thinking about this. Cause I, I would love to go into how Genesis, the rest of Genesis three ties into uh, the coming of Jesus, the fulfilling of prophecy, um, and then also just how we can really um, respond to these problems that we were given because of the fall, um, that came onto us because of the fall. And the rest of Genesis 3 talks about what Christian brought up earlier and how um, now our work is full of thorns and thistles because we have to deal with just the extra difficulty because of the fall. And then we also see that the woman... 
women in childbirth are also much more difficult now because of the fall. So that's sort of the rest of Genesis 3. So um, just as we close here, I kind of want to highlight maybe a few things that we that we talked about. Um, the first thing is a call for all people, not just men, uh, uh, but specifically men in terms of being protectors and keepers, but in terms of men and women, we need to make sure that we're working for the Lord, that we're bringing God with us into our work, that we're glorifying him with our work, that we're worshiping with him with our work. Um, it is very important God, that God created work before, like Christian said, before the fall. And it is something that we are given to do and something that we are called to be stewards of and be disciplined uh, with our work. So let's make sure that we're uh, being a good influence on our coworkers, that we're bringing God with us, that we are ultimately glorifying God with with our work. And then a couple, the next thing we, we sort of touched on, and, and I love that Christian brought up the armor of God with this, was be aware of, of what your insecurities, your vulnerabilities are, and then also know that you are not called to take revenge on anybody, that, that God is ultimately your fighter. You are called to protect yourself with the word of God, with the armor of God, and that God will go before you and be the conqueror. And ultimately, he's the only one that should do this because he's the only one that's king, right? Amen. We are we are princes. We are called, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, right? But God is our king. And God is the one that needs to make the call the shots when it comes to um, going forth before us and and being the ultimately the aggressor, I guess you could say, because he has the right to do so. And he's going to be making the right decisions in situations that we would not, in situations where we, we think we would be uh, wise to attack. And it's also interesting that God, that in scripture it says that the that the word of God is a double-edged sword. But we're also called not to attack with it. So we can it's very easy to use God's word as a weapon against people when sharing the gospel. And, and Christian and I can probably both share stories of when we were sharing with people and and we tried to use scripture as like a blunt weapon when we tried to just like <laughs> smack them over the head with it. And it didn't always go well. So I don't think it ever went um, well. I don't think, yeah, I actually can't give you a single example where it went well. Yeah, because I, I can tell you a specific conversation that, that I had in Ocean City, and it, it I got arrogant, and I started wheeling and dealing with Scripture, and it went so south. It went so south because I was not allowing God to do the work with his spirit, and I was trying to do the work for him. So, um, yeah, those I think those are the some of the main points that we grabbed out of this. Christian, I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that before we close, but all right. Yeah. All right. So Christian, go ahead. <laughs> it's my job to do the intro ever since that one time in 2020 where you did the outro and somebody complained about it. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I, I will never get over that. I haven't done one since, everybody. That's. I think that's the only time in the history of this podcast somebody's complained about Jonathan talking because usually the ladies are reaching out to us like, oh my gosh, make that guy talk more often. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we want to thank you guys for that's... listening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, this has been good. Uh, we love you guys. We come back every week because we want to build a community of, of Christ-following young adults and teens who are are keeping our eyes on the prize, Lord. Or yeah, if we can make this, if we can make this one thing in your week that helps you put your eyes on Christ, then that's a win for us. And so we hope that this episode has done that, and it's helped you to even look at these Genesis passages a little bit differently, seeing something about ourselves, what we can learn about human nature from Genesis two and Genesis three. Uh, so it's been good. I've really enjoyed this episode and I hope that you guys have as well. We'll be back next week. We will see you there. If you have any, if you have any podcast requests or topic requests, please email those to us at questions at livingvictorypodcast.com. We'd love to hear them. Uh, but until then, we look forward to seeing you guys next week. As always, love each other and shine your light.